this Christmas, we've been talking, we have been talking about making room, and I don't know, uh, you know, unless you're a little bit into my world for just a second, Christmas, as far as preaching goes, is, well, it's, it's not a lot of fun. And the reason it's not a lot of fun is because you already know what's coming. Like, there's just no surprise element whatsoever. So you're like, I don't want to be cheesy and try to reinvent Christmas stories that you already know. You know, if you're a speaker, you, you're, you're hoping for a little bit of reveal. You're hoping for a little bit of anticipation. What's he going to say? In the month of Christmas, you know where it's going to head. And so it makes it kind of tough to, to figure it out. But this year, something a little bit different has been happening to me personally. And what tends to happen to me, like it or not, tends to happen to y'all. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, what I say up here and, and what I deal with. And, um, but I've been thinking uh, over the last few weeks, for some reason, and I don't really know where it started, but I started thinking about Christmas in terms of the new year. Like, uh, like December is closing out something and, and it's launching us into a new mindset. And that's where I began to think about the make room that we did in the fall. And we got a lot of response from you guys in that. And, and how God is, is, in many of your hearts, making room for, for things. And, and you've heard me say it many times. But I, I really do. I've, I've, for, for whatever reason, I've always seen Christmas as an igniter. And you've heard me say that before. It's an, an ignition. Like Christmas... Christmas wasn't an isolated event. Christmas was an event that launched history into motion. And, and, it, and it was predicted and it was talked about and it set history into motion. And, and today I'm going to talk to you about making room specifically for investing. You know, Christmas was a time of investment, right? God literally gave, Zach just read that verse a minute ago, God gave his son and he invested. And in fact, in the Christmas season, what are you always challenged with? Like you're, you see billboards and you see commercials and you hear radio ads constantly about it's a season to give, it's a season to give, and you're always being asked to give. From a Christian standpoint, have you ever thought about why? You ever thought about why we're challenged to give so much? I mean, it's, it, are we, are, you ever thought about the reason, like, why we give? Are we giving because it's just good to be good and it's nice to be nice? I don't think that's why we're giving. It's not just good to be good and nice to be nice. It's good to be good and nice to be nice for sure. But the reality is we give because God gave to us, and we don't really stop giving. We, 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 we look at it as investing. I, I read a quote this week in my own time. I've, I go back and forth at times. To, if, you, if you ever want a book that will, um, that will bend you, uh, look up Dietrich Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship. If you haven't read that, uh, no cup of coffee is going to make that better for you. Uh, as far as uh, the, the things that he will say. If you, uh, Bonhoeffer, before I show you the quote, Bonhoeffer, if you don't know much about Bonhoeffer, Eric Metaxas wrote a phenomenal biography on Bonhoeffer. It's about 7,000 pages long, uh, but, but it, it's good. And, and Bonhoeffer uh, was, was a martyr uh, in the Nazi era, and, and just weeks before the war ended, uh, they finally executed him. And, and Bonhoeffer said something in the cost of discipleship that I was reading this week that made me think about this idea of investing. And he said, the body of Christ takes up space on earth. Now, that's a very simple quote. I mean, it's, it's nothing profound. But I want you to look at it for what it really is. 
Think about occupying space. Right now, you're occupying space in a, in a chair. Right now, you're occupying space in a room. Right now, you occupy space in a job setting. Or maybe you're in a classroom. Maybe you're a student. You occupy space. You, have a, you occupy space on social media. You occupy space. And the more I thought about that, I thought, man, that, that is really spot on for how if we're going to occupy space in this world, let me tell you what I believe, friends. If we're going to occupy space, I think we should own it. That went kind of right over y'all. It's all right. It's early. If we're going to occupy space, we need to own it. If we're going to take up space, let's own it. God did not put us on this earth to just be quiet, model citizens who never cause a disruption. Let me tell you, this whole book is nothing but a disruptor. In the, if this book were a business book, it would be called a market disruptor, an outlier, a thing that causes confusion on every level in the, the world around it. Not confusion from God. Jesus was a disruptor. And I think we occupy space. I want to show you just this week how Clearview, I so, I'm so proud of Clearview this week. I mean, this has been really neat watching what we've been doing. So many of y'all have been kingdom investing in the last several weeks, really, really all fall long. It's been a really neat, missions this year has just had a steady plow, and I love it. Let me show you a few pictures of how some of our people are taking up positive faith. This is disaster relief. Some of our men, I did not get to go on this, but I, there, let me tell you something. Fellas, I want, I want to be really clear with y'all about something, okay? There is nothing like chainsaws in Jesus' name, okay? I'm telling you, man, like you, you get to break things and tear up things, and you can even break a saw, and we'll be like, glory to God, let's get another one. I mean, you know, it, it is so much fun. We say men and women go in disaster relief and work, and some of our men and women went this, this week. So if you're not on disaster relief, I know the video's coming. I'm, I'm, uh, calm down, Zach. I, I, I get, you know, you give him a special up here, and he's trying to tell me I forgot something. You know, I haven't forgotten it yet. So, um, so we're at that. Sorry about that. I may have been a little hard on you right there, Zach. It's okay. So, you know, um, <laughs> the, uh, but if you look at what we, those, those people are doing right there, that's all the tornado stuff. Now, Jerry did a video, and I want to show it to you coming up right here. Watch this real quick. Hello, my name is Jerry Thomas, and we're here with Clearview Baptist Church in Hendersonville. This is a, uh, a home where uh, the father got called in the middle of the night to go out and clear roads and tornado damage uh, at a municipal level. He was telling his wife, you know, honey, uh, I'll try to get to this work. He has two big trees down, and uh, she said, you know, it's okay to ask for help. And sure enough, uh, Tennessee Baptist showed up here. So we got the order this morning, and Clearview is in the front yard, in the backyard, the songs are going, and we've got quite a spirit of uh, participation. People are very appreciative to see uh, Tennessee Baptist show up. That's, that's a good bumper right there, good like job. the sound of a farm boss still chainsaw in the morning. That's too, see, told you it was fun. Let me tell you, man, 
one of my first excursions on disaster relief was when Katrina hit. Um, and we went to Mississippi with a, a bunch of people. And I heard um, one well-known minister across this nation when talking about all that disaster relief did through the Southern Baptist Convention. He said the government wasn't ready um, to deal with anything that catastrophic, and the church did what the government couldn't do. I'm telling you, man, it is powerful to see what happens, and there is, it's so cool. So if you want to get involved, any, any of you men and women that want to get involved in disaster relief, it, it is, we have a great crew doing that. I want to show you another, somebody else making room. Here's a group of people at Western Heights uh, that went up and were making Christmas gifts. We sent a team up there to Knoxville, and uh, that's several of our people there doing, getting things ready. And we're, we're sending another team back, uh, five, Kim, sending five more back this week to actually distribute those gifts. And so it's just really neat to watch that partnership start to thrive. And I hope that you continue to invest in Western Heights. We're sending small teams up there, constant pressure on the rudder of sending teams up there all the time. There's a chance for you if you want to serve, if you don't really know what your gifts are yet, Serve Day's coming up. Serve Day's coming up uh, here in January the 15th. And Kim Margrave will be the person to see on that. And she can set you up and how we're going to do that in the community and even right here around the church. And I want to give you one more way to, that we're making room. And this is not, by the way, that what I'm about to show with you is, is not just something for us. I, I, I just, if I could yell it, if I could cause a scene, if I could text you, if I could uh, set an alarm on your phone to remind you how important it is, what I, I want you to grasp this concept that when, when we do events like this, there is no law against you inviting somebody that doesn't come here, right? I mean, you can invite people that don't know Jesus. You can invite them to come right alongside you and work with you. And, and so in, in February, men of Franklin, uh, we are in February the 18th at 6 p.m. We're having it called, uh, we're, we're very creative music and meets. Yeah, that's, that, that's very descriptive of what we're going to do. I don't even know if there's going to be side items. There will just be meat there, and there will be a lot of it. All right? There's going to be meat. But here's what, here's what Zach Gray's putting together. We're getting some singer-songwriters that, you know, uh, we, we've watched Music Row Ministries take off this year. And by the way, just on a side note with what Jordan Rowe has been doing with that, um, we, they, he started that in March of this year. It now has roughly 50 to 60 uh, country artists that are coming to that every Wednesday. Now, not all at one time. Sometimes there's as many as 50. Uh, me and Alexis and Zach go most Wednesday mornings. But get this clear view, people. Um, they had one, a few of their female singer-songwriters come to them and say, hey, do you think we could start one as well? And he said, absolutely. And they started that uh, for the first time about three or four weeks ago. 51 female singer-songwriters showed up for the first time on, on Music Row. On Music Row. That's 100 people. That's a church. That's 100 people that, that uh, our people are impacting. It's just beyond anything. So some of those singer-songwriters are going to be here, and we're going to do that uh, February the 18th. And that's going to be a time to share the gospel and bring, bring, bring in dudes. And so I'm hoping you get a chance. But those, those are ways that I think we're making room. And see, I, I, I really believe that's so critical that we make room. And, and so if you, I, want, I want you to open your Bible to 2 Corinthians if you got it. 2 Corinthians. It's right after 1 Corinthians for, for me. Yeah, it's right there. I'm a full-service pastor. I want you to find it. And, um, 
So it's 2 Corinthians chapter 8. God, God wants you to invest, I believe, in three ways. I think God, I really do believe Scripture, can, we can dictate this through Scripture. He wants you to, to share your treasures, your talent, and your time. If you're taking notes, write those three down. Treasures, talents, and time. That's where I believe God wants us to make room. And, and we're going to talk about those three things today. It's, it's not just about money. It's actually much more than that. And, and, and let me give you a little context going on right here. There was a small group of churches, not just one church, you know, sometimes when we look at the Bible, we, we, tend, to, we tend to think that, that all churches were big. There was a, a, a famous theologian who's now in heaven, and Gordon Fee, uh, he, he said by his estimation, the, the church at Corinth was about 50 people, uh, based on some historical records he had, he had looked at over the years. These were house churches. They were neighborhood churches in little towns all across. They weren't, they weren't these big things. And, and so there's a group of churches that were in, in this area called Macedonia. And, and Paul, and they, they've been taking up some offerings. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, Paul, Paul says, Now, brothers, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. That in a great ordeal of affliction, in a great season of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflow. Now, let me, let me tell you what that, what that means. Don't just read right past that. If you look at that in the original language, let me tell you what that's getting at. It is like the severest of severe poverty, like level 10. This isn't like, oh, they didn't have much. No, they didn't have anything. This is a big deal, what he said. So don't just, they didn't have anything. And it says, they gave of their own accord, verse 4, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints, in the offering. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. But just as you abound in everything, you abound in faith and utterance and in knowledge and in all earnestness and in the love that we inspired in you, see to it that you abound in the gracious work of this also. Meaning, don't forget, I'm going to paraphrase it there, don't forget to invest and be an investor. I am not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others, the sincerity of your love also. So what is Paul getting at? If we're going to make room, I, I'm looking at, at the idea of Christmas getting me ready for next year. It's kind of where my mind has been for whatever reason. And, 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 and I think as we're making room and we're looking at what can God do through me and what can God do through you, I want to give you just a few quick, what I'm just going to call keys to being a kingdom investor. Keys to being a kingdom investor. And here's the first one. Right? Be unbound in submission. Be free in your ability to submit. And here's what I mean by that. If you look in verse 5, be, be unbound in your submission. Look at what Paul said about these people. He's describing these little churches. And he said they first gave themselves to the Lord. Now let me tell you why that matters. Because that sets the precedent for everything you do. They weren't just giving, on, pay attention to this, they weren't just giving from the leftovers. They weren't just giving from the margins 
and the, the small potatoes. And I'm not just talking about money. They were giving themselves. And they were giving themselves fully to God. You know why this matters? Because when I say be unbound in submission, what these people had understood in these small churches was they had understood that God will use you when he owns you. Did you, did you hear me? God will use you when he owns you. And, and, and that's a big deal because, see, in order for you to submit to God, you have to trust God. In order for you to give your money, you have to be able to trust God with your money. In order for you to give of your time, you have to be willing to trust God with your time. You, you really can't, you really cannot invest what God doesn't know. It's really hard. Because you'll, you'll always fight the battle. Let me tell you something. It's, it's really hard to invest something that God doesn't know because you'll be in this constant state of war. These people fully submitted themselves to God. Have you ever thought about how many times? I think about this sometimes when I'm in worship. I really do. We sing all these songs. We raise our hands. And if you look at some of the lyrics of these songs, God, I give you everything. God, I give you my all. Really? You ever think about that? I do. Not because I'm super spiritual, but it, it kind of makes me pause a minute and go, can I sing that? Can I, can I really sing that? Because it, it messes with my head. Because I think it's really easy to tell God, oh, it's really easy on a Sunday to come in here and say, oh, God, I give you all. I give you everything. You, you, give, you, you give me everything. I give everything back. I, I'm telling you, these people were all in. What do we learn about the five ways of Jesus? What is the number one thing we see that Jesus did? He put the kingdom first. Jesus was kingdom first. Everything Jesus did was fully submitted. These people were fully submitted. I'll tell you another kingdom principle we can learn from these people. Not just be unbound in submission, but here's the second one. Never let context determine commitment. This is a big deal. I told you these people were poor. All right? Look in verse 2. Actually, we'll just start in verse 1. Now, you brothers, we wish to make known to you. In other words, we want to tell, let, me, let me put the southern version of, of verse 1 on that. We want to tell you all what's been going on. All right? We want to tell you all what's been going on. There's a group of people in verse 2, in a great ordeal of affliction, great suffering, they have abundance of joy. And in their deep poverty, they overflowed in wealth in their liberty or their freedom. They had had huge struggle. They were giving beyond. They were giving beyond their earthly ability. Now, let me, let me tell you something. I don't, I don't want you to misunderstand me. This verse is not suggesting that we take our bank accounts and we empty them all in Jesus' name. That's not what, that's not what it's getting at. What, what he's saying is they gave fully to God. And they were able to give supernaturally because they trusted God. They were fully submitted. See, you can't give to the supernatural if you live in the natural. Did you hear me? You can't give in the supernatural if you live in the natural. And so that, that, that's, that's really, I believe, what happens a lot of times. Is we, 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 we live with a scarcity mindset. We're taught that. We're taught to live in a scarcity mindset. And I'll tell you something. I don't know about you, but the more money you tend to get, 
the less money you tend to give for a lot of people. Because that's the American dream, isn't it? Get all you can. And when you get all you can, you find a big can and you put it in the can. And then you put a lid on the can. And then you get an AR and an insurance policy and an umbrella policy. And you get a 401k and you invest and you keep everything protected from the can. From anybody getting into that. Listen. God put us on this earth with a very stark reminder. It's called death. And you are not going to leave here with anything that you earned or made. Do you, you ever think about that? Oh, I know you know it. Friend, let me tell you something. You are going to die as barren as you came in. Jesus invested. And when Jesus invested, as they say in the sports world, he left it all on the field. Jesus left it all on the cross. He went all the way. A scarcity mindset is a secular mindset. I love what Chris Hodges, the pastor of Church of the Highlands, said about this recently. He said, many people don't have a money problem. They have a mindset problem. And it is true. You will battle a mindset problem. If you, if you, if you, if you struggle with investing your time. Some of you don't struggle at all investing your money. You really don't. You give to the Lord. You, man, you, you give beyond 10%. Right? By the way, you do realize that 10% is the minimum. And let me tell you why 10% is the minimum. Some of you, if you, if you consider yourself a giver, you really haven't given to you given beyond 10%. You know why? You don't own the 10%. You don't own the 10%. You can't give what you never owned. You know? I mean, you know, some of y'all in here drive really nice cars. What if I just gave your cars away? Well, you don't own it. How can you give that away? You don't own it. That's right. I don't own it. I don't own 10%. The Bible tells me that that's where it starts. So I start giving beyond my treasures, my talent, my time. All of those things are giving. But I, I will tell you, the, 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 the problem with some of you is you're, you're able to write a check. For some of you, the biggest challenge you face is giving up time. You're giving up time, and that's hard for you. I know it's hard. I, I, I'm not shaming you for it. I know that it's hard. Some of you have really good treasures, meaning you have, you have tre treasures to give, and you struggle to give financially because you know, you know you, you're a saver. But there's many people that I know that they are amazing savers, but you know why they're savers? They don't save out of faith. They save out of fear. They save out of fear. They're so afraid that if they trust God with their money, and I'm here to tell some of you, if you're in that bucket, maybe your bucket isn't time. Man, maybe you're so willing to give time and serve the Lord with your time, but you struggle with giving money. Let me tell you something. The reason, listen to me, I'm trying to help you right now. I mean it. I'm trying to help you right now. The reason that you struggle with anxiety over money is because God doesn't own your money. That's why you struggle. And I'm not shaming you for it. I'm just telling you, if you want to see, you, I, you've heard me say this many, many times. I'm going to say it again. I've said it in many sermons. If you want to know where your idols exist, and you've, we've all got them. I've got some too. I don't want to talk about them to you. All right? I will, the Lord knows where they live. We've all got idols. But if you want to know where your idols exist, just look at what you have that you worry about 
the most? Recurring. Where do you tend to worry the most? What causes you anxiety the most? Is it relationships? Is it the applause of people? Are you single and you're trying to, to, to you're wondering if God's ever going to bring somebody into your life? What, when, when you start, when that mind, does your mind ever start going? When you're driving down the road, does your mind go somewhere? Well, if it goes somewhere and you start noticing that it goes to the same somewhere often, I'm telling you, friend, that's a stronghold in your life. This is way better preaching than y'all are letting on, I'm telling you. Yeah, I'm helping you right now. Okay, I'm helping you right now. It, it, I'm telling you, for some of you, the reason that you struggle with money is because God doesn't own your money. And I want, I want God to own your money. Because I believe that you will experience... Listen, <laughs> when you experience the Prince of Peace, and when He has dominion over every area of your life, peace is what you get in return, friend. Peace is what you get in return. Chris Hodges is right. It's, it's not, it's not a, an issue of treasure, time, or talent. It's an issue of the way you look at it. And what I love about the people of these Macedonian churches was, was they really did believe that, that God was over everything they had. And their church had problems. Let me tell you something about people in the New Testament. You ever, thought, you ever think about the fact... The challenges they faced are the same challenges we face. They had jobs. They had aging parents. They had teenagers. They had people at work that drove them crazy. They had neighbors that were weird. They had drama. They had arthritis. They had all the things that you have. And life was hard. And they did it. And you know what? I, when I was putting this together this week, you know, it just kind of hit me. I thought, you know, when these people were living out this story, don't you think it would be cool if, like, they would have known that 2,000 years later people would be talking about them? Like, they had no clue. They were just struggling to put two pennies together and make it a nickel. They, and, and, and yet... They caught God's eye. These people were heroes of the faith and they didn't even know it. So I would say be, be free in your submission. I would say never let context determine commitment. They were committed regardless of the context. And I'll give you one more. If you want to be a kingdom investor, I would say engage giving as a privilege and not a burden. Now I want you to look at verse 4. This is the verse that really captured my heart. Let's start in verse 3. Paul said, I testify, in other words, I, I'm telling their story right now, that they gave beyond their ability, look at verse 4, begging us with much urging for the favor, do us the favor of letting us give to this offering you're taking up. You know what they're saying? Don't deny us, Paul. Don't deny us. Please, pass the plate, man. Don't, don't let us, don't cheat us out of this opportunity. Don't, please let us be involved. Please let us be involved. You have places. It's a, it's a real privilege, you guys, to give. Every time you write a check, you know the prayer you can pay? Pray it in that moment. Hey, God, 
Thank you for a job. It's a privilege to write this check. Every time you go to Western Heights or you go to disaster relief, hey, God, thank you that I'm able-bodied, that I can actually grab brush and pull it off somebody's yard. Thank you that I have a body that I can do this. You can start praying prayers of gratitude that you get to invest. You are where you are for a reason. God has put you where you are for a reason. And, I, and so I'm looking at time, talents, and treasures, right? And, and so I want you to look at these three. These three, over the next 12 months, as you're going through the Christmas time, as the new year comes around, where, where is it on that list? Like, does any one of those jump off? Maybe you're great with money. Maybe it's time. Maybe you're great with time. Maybe it's, it's you're trying to, you, you need to, maybe you're sitting on some talent that you could be leveraging for the kingdom growth. Where is it on those three words that tends to jump out at you the most? Because I want to tell you something, friends. God, God is a purposeful God. You hear us talk a lot at Clearview about finding your calling and finding your purpose. And the reason that that matters to me so much and the reason we keep talking about it, and we're going to keep talking about it, and we're going to keep talking about it, and we're going to keep talking about it. And just when you're sick of it, we're going to do a whole sermon series on it. And then we're going to just keep bringing it up. And the reason we're bringing this up is because I'm telling you there is nothing like it in the world. There's nothing like it in the world. When you discover why God puts you on the planet, and we will help you. That's our job. We're the coaches. We will help you discover that. When you know why you're here, let me tell you something. There are people waiting for you on the other side of your obedience that haven't been redeemed yet. They're waiting for you. They're wa- they, they don't know Jesus yet. They don't understand what it means. You, you, have, you understand what it means to know that God is for you. There's so many people that don't think anybody's for them. There's other people waiting on the other side of your obedience for their redemption. And that's why it ma- matters so much. Just a few days ago, every year I get to go to Mercy Multiplied's big, big gala and Mary Mercy. And it's really cool and this year was their 40th, and I was sitting there, and Nancy Alcorn said something that really struck, struck me. It struck me because I, I've lived it in many ways. You know, God has challenged me in the past few months. For the better part of 20 years, I've had, I've had a lot of open doors as a missionary, as a writer, as a speaker to the hunting industry. And, and, and I've let some of that fall. And, and, and I was challenged by God. I'm, I'm going to start finding more ways to use my influence to be a missionary to a very dark world. And I thought about when she said this, it just kind of opened my mind because I've lived this out. Nancy said, never underestimate the power of small beginnings. She talked about how there was no way when she started Mercy Ministries that in a little home in Louisiana, that there was no way she could fast forward 40 years later and realize the thousands of lies. If you've never been, if you want to see something, Christian, that will just, just I mean, I know this is a church word, just bless you, right? Go set up an appointment, go to Mercy Multiplied there on Old Hickory Boulevard and just say, I want to see the baby wall. I just want to see the baby wall. Let me tell you what they've got at that baby wall. On that baby wall, they have just, it feels like an ocean of pictures of babies that women came in with that were considering abortion. And they found mercy, and mercy found them. 
And those babies got life. I mean, when you see that, you're like, wow. Small beginnings become big things. On the other side of your obedience, some of you, you look at ministries like that and you go, boy, that's just amazing. I can promise you, I've sat down with this woman many times and I can tell you there is no way she could have put that plan together. You just do it. Some of you are waiting on the perfect idea. And I'm going to tell you what God is waiting on you to do. Start. Just start. It is literally okay to build the plane while you fly it. Most of my life lives like that, to be honest with you. And it drives people crazy, but that's okay. They'll get over it or they'll die with it on their mind, one or the other. It, 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 you know? Build the plane while you fly it, man. Listen, we're running out of time, you guys. Look around your nation. We're running out of time. Jesus is coming. And let me tell you, when Jesus is coming, he's not coming back as Savior. He's coming back as judge. The Bible says he's coming on a white horse. And redemption is done. And the sheep will go one way and the goats will go another. We have time on the clock left. Let's make room. You know, I, I think sometimes, I, I don't mean this to sound, uh, I, I don't know the, the right adjective I'm looking for, but so, sometimes I, I really do think I believe in you more than you do. I really do believe in you more than many of you believe in yourselves. Like in this room right now, I've, I've ministered to many churches in my life. But I have never ministered to a church that has this much talent and this much treasure and this much time. Do you realize what we could do if we made room? All of us. And it's going to look different for everybody. But I'm telling you, every single one of you in this room, you, there is so much power in your life if you would just access it and you would call on it. I'm telling you, 2024 could look like something you never imagined. You know, it means a lot to us that you would come here today and be a part of who we are. It really does matter to us more than you might realize. Sometimes I think we underestimate the power we have to influence people. You know, if you would look around your world You'd be amazed at how many people would receive what you have to say to them. You could be a digital missionary. You don't have to post everything on Facebook, or we're not asking you to go on your favorite social platform, but I would challenge you to look around your world. I guarantee you might have a friend, even in a different state or another part of the world, something was said today, whether a sermon, a prayer, a song, something was said that could mean a lot to them. Man, send it to them. You'd be amazed at how much of a difference that could make.